The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. And Conversation Station. Well, if the conversation off the air is half as good as the one we're about to have on the air, it should be a pretty entertaining hour. Brian Anderson, uh, outgoing counselor for Ward 9, uh, sitting in that uh, position since when, Brian? 1998? 98. How many terms is that? Six. Six terms. You ever lose an election? I guess that's all you've ever run for as counsel, right? True. Ever been close? True. I, I won for husband of the year and uh, was almost successful. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. Uh, all right. So I said that the jumping off point would be the tree. And the reason, and all our listeners are familiar with the tree, and I, I, I you know the story, Brian. Our listeners know the story. Uh, Brandon, you know the story. But basically, I put it out there for several weeks on the radio. I was laughing at the city of Edmonton and what I felt was their inefficiency in replacing a single tree. I thought that it had taken over a year to do so, but I later determined with a little further research that it was actually three years ago that there was an infestation first noticed um, in the city of Edmonton, and I guess it was a year ago that they finally got to my to my uh, backyard. And I said it's a jumping off point because to me, the entertainment stopped at some point a few days ago when they wouldn't plant the tree. The tree had actually arrived. It was on the truck beside my house the crew was there and they rang my doorbell to say well we can't plant the tree because the crew with the no parking signs didn't show up and i just thought what Uh, but i'll move my car and he was like no we need the no parking signs and that was the point at which it became too ridiculous to be funny for me anymore and that's when i reached out to your office and i reached out to the city yeah well i think i think that there is absolutely a procedure and a policy and a set of protocols for many of the things that the city provides to citizens as services they're supposed to guarantee no foul-ups they're supposed to guarantee efficiency uh however in this particular case it's patently obvious obvious that uh, that it, it was uh, not as efficient <laughs> as it could be and I think that I've talked to several people in forestry and in in management and I think that they have looked into the situation and, cer- and, and certainly agree that while there is a need for a number of different kinds of people to be involved in a uh, replacing diseased trees uh, this is not as efficient a process as it could be. And just for the record, two things. Just for the record, no one's disputing my accounts, correct? No. No. No, I mean, you're, you're, absolutely, you're absolutely correct. Uh, but if we try to at least add up half your numbers... Yes. We are in a situation where... Uh, we need to locate underground utilities. Right. They need to cut a tree out. Once the tree's gone, there's a, a different crew. Even on private landscapers, a different crew comes in and grinds the stump out and cleans up the debris. You need to locate the utility lines. Then you need to expose the utility line so that no inadvertent cutting through a, sure. a, a power wire or a, a fiber, fiber, a fiber optic yeah, cable sure. with, a, with a, a, a shovel. 
then you plant and to plant you uh, id the the issue with uh, with the parking people right uh they put up a parking sign so that they can take all the time they need and not inconvenience people let them know they're going to and then eventually the tree planter and then you're going to end up with a mulch uh a water well or a gator bag that allows a watering truck to come by x number of times during growing season for maybe several years so there's more crews so coming so we're already at I mean, I already identified eight reasons for different people to show up on your boulevard. Right. And you're going to have probably the same uh, kind of crew come by to water uh, through till freeze-up this year guaranteed and maybe uh, a reducing number of times for the next two or three right. years. So you've identified eight or nine crews that you can think of that would be necessary to plant a tree. And again, I keep simplifying it by saying it took this many crews to plant a tree, but of course they're planting thousands, if not tens yeah. of thousands of trees, right? So I'm only talking about my tree. But here's the kind of thing that I wondered about and I made fun of, and I know you, you heard us making fun of it on the, on the radio and started to look into it long before I reached out to anybody officially. But when they had ground the stump, yep, and they had left this pile of stump, yep, there was a crew you didn't mention that came around and put a white spray paint X on the stump on the pile, and that's all they did. Yeah. So we watched them. They came. They put a white X on it, and then they put—I shouldn't say that's all they did. Then they put a white line on the curb, which I assume would indicate where the tree is to go. And that, for me, was so ridiculous that I couldn't help but jump on top of it because my question was so whatever crews coming after them can't identify what a pile of chips looks like without somebody putting a white X on it and it was that that I was pointing to to say there's got to be savings here there there has there has and got to be a reason you've got to get rid of the crew that spray paints white X's and the and the admin <laughs> and the people that responded to my request for what what's going wrong here they're acknowledging that they could be more efficient they're going to re-examine uh, all of the processes and see if they can uh, double up on a couple of things and become more efficient so they're 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 giving yep. you they're giving you the mea culpa they are which i'm uh, surprised to be honest with you i didn't think you could beat city hall and i'm not sure that i did i mean i ended up with a tree <laughs> I uh, I got a picture from my seven-year-old granddaughter who, <laughs> Lovely. who drew a picture of herself in the park. Yeah. And if uh, if you'll notice, on one side there's a nice green live tree, on the other side there's a dead tree with, That's a, pink, right. with a pink spray paint on it. That's right. Look at that. That's exactly seven what they did. Seven years old. She understands. See, and that's just it. And that's why, and as I say, we've spent more time than I thought we would, but that's the jumping off point. You have a reputation for being, and Dave Staples referred to you as this in an exit interview with you in the journal. He said, there goes the most reasonable man in the room. So when you look at a situation like this, does it frustrate you or do you think, no, that's the way the city works? Well, I'm all about fairness and, and honesty and telling the truth. And uh, for 19 years on council, uh, I went in telling my office staff that we were going to respond to emails, to letters, to questions, to phone calls within 48 hours with the best information we could get. 
So the one or two people at different times that have worked out of my office have worked hard to to uh, connect with a number of the right people at the right levels in every department so that when they email or text mm. or phone, they're getting back a piece of information that allows us to answer uh, a, a citizen right away. Sometimes, you know, in two and a half minutes, sometimes in 24 hours. But I think that that has been one of my, one of the reasons I actually ran for council, to try to become the best example of a politician who listened and responded when response was was identified. I think citizen land out there, why should I phone? Why should I write a letter? It's going to go in the garbage. They're not going to pay attention. Well, I wanted to be a guy who paid attention. So I think that for almost two decades, my office has booked me into somebody's front yard or, <laughs> or front room or backyard to see firsthand the problem that they're dealing with, or I don't know whether I almost live at Tim Hortons. Can I meet <laughs> you at 4.30 yeah. on the way home? And to talk face-to-face -face with people and to actually understand. And I feel no qualms about saying, hey, you don't have a problem. There are 95,000 circumstances that are a heck of a lot worse than yours, and if, if we want to put yours on the list, it's at the bottom. You know, there really isn't a problem. Or we can't fix it, mm -hmm. and here's why. So that was one of the the four reasons I ran and I really really hope that the people who we've been able to serve over the last 19 years feel like when they get hold of our office I think that will be your legacy to it, be honest with you sense. and and Aaron your is at is that your executive assistant yeah. she's yeah. a rock star as well yeah. gets back to you right away gets you good information right away and I've dealt with the office on more than one occasion and other than this tree they get she gets back to you very quickly well I I offer you for as long as you want when you have something that you're going to talk about, <laughs> text me, Okay, and I will give you the best sentence or piece of information or yes-no comment that I can at the moment. Done and done. Somebody pull that audio. Uh, we're going to take a quick break where we come back more with uh, Councilman for Ward 9, Brian Anderson. We'll take your calls and read your texts. We've been uh, chatting with Councilman Brian Anderson, your Ward 9 councillor, announcing just a couple of months ago that he would not seek re-election after serving in that capacity since 1998. Brian? Unbelievable. Yes. Uh, Barb wants to ask you a question. If you could slip on the headset there so you'd be able to, uh, to hear what the question is. There you go. Hey, Barb. Good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. My pleasure. Um, I have a comment and a question or request of Councillor Anderson. Go ahead. Um, I'm a frequent user at Twilliger Rec Center. I have seen you there, I think, a couple of years ago, Andrew, when you were going through one of your fitness <laughs> crazes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I go there, I've been going there the past few years, about three times a week. And I'm a gardener, and I look at the landscaping and the plants there, and I see a mess because the, the weeds grow up, they go to seed. Back in about end of March, beginning of April, we had a snowstorm or some snow, and one of the machines was out with uh, the brush that rotates and, and, and gets the snow off the sidewalks. Well, this machine got stuck on the sidewalk for a, a day or two, and it left quite a bit of a hole there, and there still is a bit of a hole. This is about three and a half, four months later. They don't seem to give too much attention to the... Um, the park area around the 
the rec center. And I was wondering if you could look into it or ask somebody to get one of the crews in there to to look after it because um, I haven't seen anyone in there since spring came. Well, I will certainly go to the person that's in charge of managing managing the facility and uh, see if we cannot get. Uh, some tidy up, some sweeping of of uh, mulch back off sidewalks into flower beds, and uh, pay attention to the uh, damage that uh, you've referred to around the big orange piece of art out front of the rec center. I understand that that's a naturalization project where they're going to allow the grasses to grow up and effectively choke out some of those weeds. They will either pull, cut, or or spray some of the noxious weeds. But I also understand that there's a wildflower planting bee coming up sometime in the near future in that particular area. But I will uh, uh, tuck your comment into the back of my head and make sure that I have an opportunity to speak to it. Okay, yeah, uh, it's more the, um, the beds around it immediately, not the grass turn around in front. Yeah, I hear you. Um, yeah. I hear you, I, I walked uh, around the whole building last night and I said there's no way that we should allow as many weeds to grow in those beds uh, however we are uh, at the mercy of the pesticide lobby or the herbicide lobby and uh, the majority of council believes that uh, herbicides or pesticides should be reduced wherever possible that doesn't mean you can't get a hoe out there like grandma did Exactly, and there's also a roof on the rec center that um, I think they were up there about three or four times last year weeding, but there's still weeds growing in there. Hmm. And uh, I think if they get on it before the weeds get to seeding, that they're easier to pull out. That, that, would, that would make sense. And there are some that you have to dig. But I, yeah, yeah, I agree. And yeah. there are suckers growing from... Uh, the plants. But thank you very much for your time and uh, thank you for looking into it. Thanks for calling in. Yeah, Goodbye. appreciate it, Barb. Thank you very much. Want to get to some other comments as well. On our texting line, can you ask Mr. Anderson why the last three mornings the same street gets cleaned with a street sweeper all three mornings on one side and back and, that the other, and, and then the other? I'm pretty sure it's clean after three days. I have no idea. Right. It, uh, however, yes, all of your listeners and our hosts. The city and many cities in at least Alberta, if not uh, our country, have set up 311 lines. All things municipal. You can ask any municipal question, you can phone in a pothole, you can phone in a, an, an issue, a dead tree, um, road cones left for inordinate amounts of time, that will be received, it will be distributed to the appropriate department, and it will go on a list of to-do things. So almost, if that's a complaint that you have, identify the road, ask the question, and ask that somebody email you back. And you'll assure the listeners and these hosts that they will get an answer? Well, I will ensure that there will be an attempt by 311 to make sure it gets to the right department, and depending on the length of their lists, there will be a response. Uh, another texter asking for, for you, Councillor, when can we expect Twilliger Drive, it was actually among the questions I wanted to ask you while you were here, when can we expect Twilliger Drive to be completed as a freeway between Henday and White Mud? That's from Dave, because there's a lot of 
roads that don't seem to go anywhere on Twilliger, but I assume those are the um, the, the roughed-in ramps for a freeway. Okay, we've been driving on on-and-off ramps for 40 years Yeah, uh, on, on Twilliger. It is supposed to be a six- to eight-lane freeway. The province is requiring us to protect the road right-of-way on both sides as neighborhoods are developed south and north of Anthony Hende. Uh, if you want me to guarantee it, uh, I'd say 60 years. 60? Uh, <laughs> well, you know how big my tree will be by then? Yeah. That'll, that's, then they'll have you to remove it. You know how big you'll it. be by then? Yeah, let, they'll have to remove let, it. Yeah. room for the freeway. Let, let me say, though, that, that in the city of Edmonton and the edges of our city, there's 53 interchanges that need to be built. 13 of them were just completed on the northeast and west Anthony Henday uh, construction, which leaves 50. The top 12, eight of them, are on Twilliger Drive from White Mud really? to 41st Avenue. And we're talking, I'm just going to guess, 100 to $150 million a piece, maybe a little less. Uh, and the priority for those starts at 40th Avenue and works its way south. Huh. I would hope that the new councillor and the incoming council will realize that there is some serious issues with traffic backing up from east and west white mud uh, trying to get through 40th avenue and i think that that interchange has got to take uh, uh, some kind of priority in the 2019 to 22 capital budget before we have to take our news break i wanted to establish something else with you counselor and that is i i had said with regard to my tree you know, I basically wanted you to say, I didn't make this up. The, the city acknowledges that this, the details I gave were, were true. But I was incorrect in something else, and so I want to acknowledge that as well. I threw it out there to Jalen and I the other day that I thought perhaps it would make sense to have city councillors have portfolios, that a specific city councillor be on top of a specific portfolio. You told me that that actually kind of is the case. Well, my first term on council, uh, there was kind of closeted decisions. We just have uh, 30 seconds for this. I'm sorry. But we're Steve, keeping you. Steve Mandel, yeah. on the first day as mayor, sat council down and said, most of you, if not all of you, have strengths and passionate interests. I'm going to create a system of initiatives and make all things, for example, Anderson, sport and recreation, funnel through you to administration. Uh, seniors, uh, uh, northern affairs. Uh, there are 24 initiatives assigned to 12 councillors hmm. and the mayor at this particular time. And I think that some wise man said that uh, it's amazing how much can get done when nobody believes it's important to take the credit and yeah. mandel gave credit to all members of council in effect we've got 12 political parties and one premier on council so i had the right idea but about uh, 10 years too late uh we'll take a break for news when we come back more with councillor anderson 
All right, welcome back to the 6.30 Chet Afternoon News. Brandon Graziano in for Jay Lynn and I. We've been sitting in with... Yeah, I've been with... kind of observing, though. I mean, it's, this is <laughs> yeah. good, though. Like, this is really educational for me, right? For I mean, me I, as well, to be honest Because I kind of came you. in even before the show. I was like, okay, you know, like, do you, do you want me here? Like, what, what's what's going well, on? But at the same yeah. time, right, I mean, this this is new, and we'll, and we'll get into this. We'll get into the fact that this is just an educational hour on how council works. Right, and I had made mention, and uh, Brian Anderson, of course, uh, Ward 9 Councillor, is in studio with us. I had made mention of this before you were in studio, so I believe this to be accurate, but I want to check all my facts now, because I know you're a facts guy. Um, It is you that new councillors would sit down with to learn how council works, is it not? After each municipal election, did you not hold a little seminar for new councillors? I would invite them. (laughs) <laughs> to, to, have a, to have a coffee which would my, be beneficial right to have a coffee in my office there is a pretty good orientation program that'll take three months uh for new councillors after the october well election. they have to come in and spray paint the councillor first yeah and then true, yeah, true. identify <laughs> yeah exactly put a big x where the this is the new one not the old one right. yeah. Anyhow, there, <laughs> yeah, remove that one there's yeah. a whole there was and still is a whole lot of little things that that I think new councillors can benefit from from knowing about. Sure, you know what doors to use, what doors not to use, yeah. where to put your parking pass so it doesn't you know generate tickets for you, and 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 then answer any questions they have. Well, it's the same thing. You read something in a book. Yeah. Or you could talk to the guy who yeah. wrote the well, book, exactly. right? Yeah. I mean, what are you going to get more so, beneficial off of, right? This is, I, I don't want to make it a general question. I'm going to make it a specific question. Because, again, you're here, you, you're here sort of owning up on behalf of, I don't maybe owning up is a negative way to phrase it. You're here answering for counsel. So I'm going to answer for myself, and I don't want to say anything about your counsel, your, the municipal governor, anything that I'm not prepared to say to a counselor sitting right across from me. So... I have mocked at times the city council for doing such things as spending any amount of time talking about Edmonton's flag, for example. And my theory is this, Brian, and there'd be nobody who would potentially fall into the trap greater than you, because you've been around since 1998 on council. I think, and you can debate this with me if you want or answer to it, I think that people who serve in various levels of government sometimes lose sight of what the average person does cares about thinks about talks about they they leave the conversation and when edmonton announced when the council announced that they were taking a look or uh, mayor iveson did said maybe it's time to update our flag i think and this is my personal opinion that most edmontonians went we have a flag and i think i know i did to be perfectly honest i did i was like we have a flag i had to google it to take a look at the flag do you think that's a fair assertion on my part that sometimes politicians lose sight of the concerns of the people who they are elected to represent? Well, not so much lose sight of the concerns because almost all of the things that you might think stray from the actual job of a council come to the councillor from citizens. Okay. The flag issue, Mayor Iveson with no R, (laughs) uh, had just come from a a meeting of something to do with First Nations and somebody had held up a flag with river, sky, and grass or something that had a reference to Treaty 6. And I think that, again, there's a citizen 
showing or doing something which may have, and I'm not trying to put words in his mouth, it's my words, I'm assuming that he took a look at our stylized, small, minutiae, detailed flag and said, you know, this is big, bold, three things, easy to see, maybe we should look at recycling the intent of the coat of arms, which you can't read from further away mm -hmm. than, than 10 feet. But I would think that, that we all have to realize that I, I actually don't think I'm a politician. I can try to be polit uh, political, but I'm not a member of a political party. On council, you have 12 councillors who have their own agendas. The only person that can actually herd the cats is a, a, a real good, respected mayor who can get them all on the same page, trying to accomplish certain things at certain times. But each of those councillors, when they were elected, and as they grew in their job, told uh, citizens and continue to tell citizens that they believe X is important or Y is important and they're going to pers pursue that when they get to be sitting in a councillor's chair. I, I ran, number one, because I didn't want to read in the paper what council was doing to me. I wanted to be part of the decision. I wanted to get the city back into the business of investing in sport and recreation infrastructure. My mission statement was to improve the quality and quantity of sport and recreation opportunities for Edmontonians. I wanted to get them in this stupid weather we have, uh, artificial turf, so that you could start early in May and, and, and continue to play into November on surfaces that allowed you to play the game properly. And fourthly, I wanted to be a good example of a, of a, of a guy in an elected position that responded appropriately and as quickly as I could. So, And do you feel you've accomplished all those things? Well, I, I think I've made motions during budget that spent $1.6 billion on sport and recreation. Why did you never run for mayor? Uh, I'm not a mayor kind of guy. I actually have a life outside of city council. I enjoy long weekends going to the lake in northern Saskatchewan. I enjoy uh, going and watching my grandkids' uh, hockey and, and soccer games and so on and so forth. The mayor's on duty literally 24 hours a day. And, uh, and I take my hat off to any mayor in any city uh, especially one uh, as large as, as maybe the top six or eight or, or ten in our country because they are literally uh, a 24-7 kind of guy, and, th and that wasn't me. I've said over many years of, on this show and others that government needs somebody in a position called the average Joe, somebody who still is connected to the people he represents, he or she represents, somebody, and maybe not a politician, maybe, it's, in fact, it shouldn't be a politician, it should just be a guy. Uh, I mean, I'm, I, I sort of, you know, say it half jokingly that, uh, you know, the average Joe should get a phone call, hey, we're going we're gonna to announce that we've got a word mark, um, Edmonton, and it's going to be Edmonton with a maple leaf, and average Joe would say, yeah, fine, but people are going to mock you. And so at least you'd have a heads up that you were about to get some pushback. Have you filled, in some ways, the role of average Joe on council? Well, I purposefully stayed away from taking assignments in Alberta Urban Municipalities or Federation of Canadian Municipalities or the Organizing Committee for the Reduction of or the Elimination of Poverty or Racism and so on and so forth. 
Other people that are passionate about those things will get involved at the grassroots. They will generate reports. They will generate processes and policies and, and try to move things forward. And I will read those reports. I will ask questions. I'll take part in the debate. But I'm not going to spend a, a ton of my time getting things going or keeping them going. What I want to reserve my time for is meeting you at Tim Hortons to listen to what you have to say about something. Which is actually what I want you to do. And I know you have done that, Brian. I hope to be uh, a champion of common sense and fairness. Right. And common sense. But you get some pushback for that. And uh, particularly in the last couple of years, there was the idea that we begin renaming streets with uh, indigenous names that you felt, and I felt, honestly, I know you publicly said, and I did on this show as well, but practically, though, it may not work, because we can't pronounce the names of the streets. And I know that you offered a, well, what if we picked easier names, or we spelt them phonetically, or that kind of thing. Is Do you not, as a guy who prides himself to be still sort of common sense and, and you know, connected to the people in your in your ward and the people in the city in general issues like that don't they make your head explode i mean don't you just common sense dictates that citizens be able to pronounce the names of their streets well why did they name blue quill blue quill instead of using a, a, a cree name there is a cree name for blue quill oh i guess so there we could all one, pronounce there blue is quill. one for sweetgrass right and so it has been done a different way there is one for sky rattler right but somebody at the beginning of those particular neighborhoods when they were selecting names, I think, thought that we will use uh, a, a native chief's name, but we won't use the actual right. Indian name. Okay. We will use the literal translation of it because it's easier to see, spell, and so on. That has completely changed since the Truth and Reconciliation uh, meetings across our country. Uh, our mayor starts every meeting we have by acknowledging that we are holding this meeting on Treaty 6 lands, the, the, I did the, not know that. the traditional lands of the Cree, the Dene, the so on and so forth. So that there is, I think this country is bending over backwards, and probably rightfully so, to acknowledge some of the uh, ills and and uh, uh, concerns that came out of uh, trying to take the Indian out of the Indians uh, by uh, putting them into residential schools and teaching them the ways of the white man. You know, I get that, Brian. We have to take a quick break here. I still want to be able to pronounce my own street, though. Yep, absolutely. All right, uh, Brian Anderson, uh, Council for Ward 9, sitting in with us. Brandon Graziano, sitting in for Jay Lynn 9. My name is Andrew Gross. We've been talking about the city, how it works. Um, we've talked in very generalities. I wanted to do, with what time we have left, a sort of a rapid round with you, if I could, Mr. Anderson. Um, because, again, you've been on council since 1998. You've seen a lot of people come and go, and you've seen a lot of ideas flourish and uh, also die on the vine. Uh, a few words about bike lanes. Um, I'm going to guess 3% of our people use bikes on a regular basis to commute. You know, I think the bicycle commuters will say it's larger than that. Uh, we are spending, I'm, I'm pulling these numbers right, sure. out, right out of a hat. We spend uh, $100 million a year uh, on 
$200 million a year on road development and road maintenance, generally for goods and service movement and commuter cars. We spend about 3% of that $200 million on bike lanes, which pretty much matches the users. Hmm. I think it's important that you do not try to be all things to all people and put bike lanes everywhere. I think you need to establish a culture, and to that end, I can support arterial bike lanes on 83rd Avenue from the yep. east to University, from 102nd Avenue from the west end to downtown, uh, a circulator in the downtown, and then when people get used to, to, to using those particular things, you can then try to think through how you could create safe feeders to those arterial bike lanes. Duh. Plus in new neighborhoods, every time there's a new road built, there's a sidewalk on one side and a three-meter-wide multi-use trail on the other. Is it inappropriate to hug a guest during an interview? <laughs> uh, so, in other words, you don't just paint bike lanes in blue quill and take away people's parking. Um, what do you think about the word mark? I brought it up a second ago. Uh, branding taglines can work. Fly the United Skies. Sure. United Airlines. I mean, there are many uh, great big black billboard with a cup of Tim Hortons with steam yeah. coming off the top. Yep. You know what the tagline underneath was? No. True patriot love. Ah, nice. I like it. There are things that capture people's attention. And I think what you need to do is find something that resonates with a wide variety of people that people will actually use and they will understand. Uh, well, on that point, Brian, so is the mistake the time and money spent on coming up with the name we already had, or is it the mistake in not educating people as to what more is, what is encompassed by this? It's much more than a, a word. I think the problem is that we're Edmontonians are our own worst enemy. We do not boast, we do not brag, we do not extol the virtues of our gorgeous city, uh, you know, our, our river valley, our amenities, our educational institutions, our, our uh, commercial and... We have more disposable income in our pockets, which is why people keep coming here building Sure. Building malls. We have a lot of good things happening here, and I think we need to make doggone sure that our friends and relatives and acquaintances that we meet when we're on the road in Portugal or in Mexico or in, in Quebec City hear about it. And I think See, we're not doing a good enough job. I would agree with that, because I think you're absolutely right. Word of mouth, uh, we're the Edmontonians are the ones who should be spreading the word about what a great city this is, but it's things like uh, thinking that the city just spent three years and two or three million dollars to come up with the name we already had that makes us go, ah. You know, we're not... I still love the city. There's still lots of great stuff about it, and I would encourage my relatives and friends to visit. But, I mean, I took it on the face with everybody else. We were, we were mocked across and Canada. Andrew, if we don't screw up every now and then, what sure. the hell would you talk about? Yeah, absolutely true. Uh, and speaking of those, Walterdale Bridge. Yep. So what went wrong with the Walterdale Bridge? Um, we... Uh, and you know, slap me if I'm making mistakes, administration. Um, we did an RFI for pre-approval of, of steel suppliers, for pre-approval of certain things. 
Then we did an RFP to receive uh, submissions for the general contractor. A general contractor is given a list of pre-approved that have been vetted already. These four or five steel producers or whatever else have been deemed to be able to handle the job. They're big enough, they can, you know, so on and so forth. So that the general contractor, once selected, has to pick from that okay. uh, from that pre-approved list. They happen to pick a steel company from Korea. What happened in Korea? I don't know. They didn't. They they couldn't. They were a year late in delivery. They couldn't they? fulfill yeah. the volume that they had claimed they could. Right. So now there's perhaps some infighting between subtrades and a general contractor. Who's going to pay this? Who's going to who's going to be responsible for that? Uh, it's going to open this fall, and we're going to love it. My wife came home last night and poured herself a glass of wine, handed one to me, and said, you know, that damn Walterdale Bridge is going to be beautiful. It is. You know what, Brian? It is going to be so much better than a watermark, and I realize the two, <laughs> you know, but every picture of downtown Edmonton that will showcase the progress that this city has made. That will leave an impression of how modern we are and how vital downtown is. That bridge is really important, um, just just from a framing perspective. Uh, you know, I mean, just to, to frame up what the city looks like and where we're going and what we're about, and that uh, arena serves the same purpose. And it's those things that, you know, when we talk about what's great about Edmonton, those are the things that are great about Edmonton. Have I got time for 12 seconds? Sure. Daryl Cates promised during the negotiations that created that 200-page legal document that he'd yeah. spend $100 million around the arena. New money. Mm -hmm. I asked the questions a couple of months ago about what the development permit total was today. $3.7 Right. I saw that. $3.7 I know it's incredible. Like, it's all worked out. I, I mean, love, listen, I you dropped it. the ball a little bit on my tree, Brian. I, I love it when a plan comes to you. Yeah, but you did pretty good on the arena. Uh, Walterdale Bridge, still expected to be completed now, I think 2018 is the last? Fall. Fall of this year, this okay. Fall. I won't hold you to that because you won't be in office open. anymore. Okay, traffic open. Brian, I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed this hour, and, and uh, I think it's been informative. I think our listeners have enjoyed it. I can't thank you enough for doing this. Thank, thank you so much for taking the well, time. It took you so long. I don't know. I never picked up the phone before. I won't wait as long for the next. We'll take a break for uh, sports, weather, news, traffic, everything else that we do at the top of the hour, and then back with more. The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.